Thank you for listening to a student ministry sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about the student ministry or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com. And now, here's this week's student ministry sermon. So the 23rd Psalm is the most famous, well-known, memorized psalm in all the songbook. This would have been a song that David wrote at the end of his lifetime when he was king. Not young David, not Goliath David, not running from Saul David, but established David. It is a psalm that as you grow older will become a psalm that will make more sense to you as you age. I'm not suggesting you can't understand it now, but I'm telling you you'll most understand it when it becomes useful. Uh, Patrick Snow, Jacob Fetter, Dan Wade, and myself have 18 seventh grade boys in our D group. Uh, We meet every other Sunday because every Sunday with them would be painful. So there's 18 seventh grade boys that smell like gerbils and touch each other all the time. And what we decided to do this year, because they're seventh grade boys, in that stage in life where they start to uh, think differently about everything, and as they grow up, they're going to challenge everything, we decided that what we wanted them to do was to memorize key passages of Scripture, which is so uncool. But what do you expect from a middle-aged bald guy? Nothing cool. So they come in my living room, and we say, we're going to memorize this, and they get high-fived and food and rewards if they memorize it. The first passage we had them memorize was Psalm 23. I was challenged by a guy whose reading I listen to and read all the time. His name's Dallas Willard. And Dallas Willard was a philosophy professor at the University of Southern California, And he said that what he did every morning when he awakens before he gets out of bed is he quotes the 23rd Psalm in the Lord's Prayer. And the reason he said he memorized those two passages of Scripture was because no matter what he faced that day, he wanted to remember he wasn't in charge. Adam just told you a powerful truth. You are most human when you are most like Jesus. You're you're in your greatest part of creation. Kalisa and Sam just sang that song about we were... Creation spun. I love that. that. That you aren't the way you are because just some genes got together and formed you. God had a say in what you were, and you're never more human than when you become more like the one who gave you life. I want to add to that. I want to tell you that God is most God when we receive what he wants to give us. And I want you to see the 23rd Psalm through that lens. So I'm a young preacher 100 years ago, or it seems like a lifetime ago, in Michigan. And I preached on the 23rd Psalm, and I think I covered it fairly well. The first time I ever preached on it. And this old dude, he's about six foot four, had hands the size of, the largest hands I'd ever seen in my entire life. And he was a World War II prisoner of war vet. And his name was Carl Nowak, and he walked up to me and he said, this is the exact thing he said to me, kid, tomorrow morning, come to the farm. I was like, yes, sir, I don't want to die, but I'm going to go out to the farm. So this young preacher boy gets up on a Monday morning and drives out to this place called Remus, Michigan, and I go to Carl Nowak's farm. And the minute I get out of my car, I open the door, and it smells hideous. He had sheep, he had cows, and he had hogs. And I'm on his farm. And he looked at the way I was dressed, and he's like, what size foot do you have? And I said, size 13. And he goes, good. I have size 16 boots. So he puts me in these massive monster Frankenstein boots, and he leads me into the sheep pen. And he looked at me and he said, last night or yesterday morning, you preached on Psalm 23 about the good shepherd. And I said, yeah, I thought, cool, he listened. And he said, you had it all wrong. 
He said, you don't know anything about sheep, do you? And then he knew I was a city kid. I was like, I know absolutely nothing about sheep. And he said, let me show you about sheep. I want to tell you that story and walk you through it because I want you to understand the 23rd Psalm is not just pretty poetry. It is a promise from God that God is most God when we receive what he wants to give us. And that allows you to be most human because that'll make you most like Jesus. And you'll begin to see that David was building on something that was proven. So let's read it again. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. And even though this is when life kicks you in the face and takes your breath from you, this is those moments that stun you when you hear the word cancer or one of your parents comes home and says, I just got laid off. Or mom and dad say to you, we're divorcing. And you get stunned because you didn't see it coming. You couldn't protect yourself. It scared you. Do you know how sometimes when someone scares you and you make a noise that you're kind of embarrassed about later because you didn't have time to get ready? Like if you're going out on Halloween and you go to a haunted house, you kind of put on the cool scare. Like, oh, you got me, but I was ready because I was going to hit you, right? But when someone jumps up behind you and you make like, ah, and you think, oh my gosh, that's recorded in history. When life knocks you down, he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and then I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And we read that, we think, that's like four different thoughts David's having. No, it's not, because the shepherd would understand what David's talking about. And if you and I get that tonight, we'll understand that God is most God when we receive what he wants to give us. Let me walk you through it. So I go to Mr. Noack's farm, and he takes me out and he shows me the, the sheep. And he walks up and he says, do you think they're smart or stupid? And I said, I have no clue. He goes, in church, lambs are always perfectly white, right? When you remember little kids in Sunday school, if you went to Sunday school or little youth group, remember the, the sheep are always fluffy and white and cute and have little bows in their hair and they, they're unclean grass. I walk out to this stench-infested farm and these sheep are filthy. They're muddy. They got poop stuck to them. He said, do you think they're smart or not? And I said, I have no idea. He had a baseball bat that was cut lengthwise, so it was flat on one side. He takes one of those big meat hands, and he grabs the bat, and he walks up behind the lamb, and he goes, wham, right across its butt. And they became furry bumper cars. They started banging into each other, making noise, falling down, climbing over each other, stepping on each other. It was the most fun I had in the longest of times. These stupid things were running every, running into fences again and again and again. And he looks at me and he goes, they're the stupidest animal God made. Now, when Jesus calls you as little lambs, are you offended? Because what did he just do? He's saying to us, without him, we're in trouble. We don't know enough not to run into fences over and over and over. So he says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Do you know that you can't make a lamb lie down? He taught me that. Lambs will only lie down for two things, when they're not scared and when they're not hungry. You can't force a lamb. You can't push its legs down and make it squat. It's not like a puppy or a, or a kitten. You can't do that to it. If they don't feel safe and they're not well fed, they will not lie down. Listen to what David just said. When you know God the way David knew God, you will lie down in comfort, not just lie down by command. Is there any better feeling? Probably the, the guys in this room understand this better than the ladies because you're more proper and you're just better humans. 
But fellas, is there any better way to go to bed than when your tank is absolutely full and you can hardly move? Isn't that the greatest way to just lay there and fall into the food coma that is rest? Help me, guys. Is it true? Yeah, it's better than thinking, or have you ever had one of those nights you're like, I'm really hungry and I want to eat something else, but you're too lazy to walk downstairs and get food, so you kind of went to bed. And you didn't sleep well, did you? Because that's not the way God made you. He said, when the Lord is my shepherd, I lay down fat and happy. And he chooses to lay down. And he leads me beside quiet waters. What does that mean? Lambs don't go near running water. Why? Because they're wearing wool sweaters. How would you like to swim in a wool two-piece? Probably not. Because what happens? It's heavy. It would drag you under. They don't go near running water because they're scared they'll fall in. Sheep are scared all the time. Do you know why? Sheep can't defend themselves. They, they, can't, they don't bite, or they do bite, but they don't bite aggressively. They have no animal that they're the predator of. They're only dinner for wolves and coyotes and mountain lions and bears. And so he says here that he takes me beside still, uh, clean water so that they can get something refreshing to drink. Now, what does that have to do with you and me? I'm going to pull back from the story and ask you, do you see what's happening here? When you know that God is leading you, when you know that you're receiving what God's giving you, you'll rest, you'll be taken care of, and you'll, you can trust it. So right now, you're probably thinking, okay, I'm at a stage in my life where I'm trying to figure out what I want to do next. My parents, they provide my housing, they provide my food, they, 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 I'm, I got health insurance because of my folks, and I have all these things provided. So you're not worried about any of these things. So if you're in that condition tonight, understand this, your parents are your shepherds, you shall not want. And that doesn't mean you don't want them. Maybe that's the case with you, and I'm sorry. But what the, the language actually says is, because the Lord is my shepherd, I have no needs. Because my mom and dad raised me safely, I had no needs. I never worried about, did we have health insurance, or did dad have a job, or did we have food at night? I might have complained we didn't have the food I wanted, but there was always plenty. And David says, I know that because of God, not because of me, I have more than I need. He says in verse 3, he leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. God is good to us, not because we've earned it. God is good to us because God is good. And if you, know, if you tolerate me on Sunday mornings, you might have heard me say this before, because I believe it's fundamentally true. Every sin that you and I have in our lives is based on one of two things. We don't believe God is wise, and we don't believe he's good. Every sin falls under one of those two categories. You, don't even, you think that God doesn't know what he's talking about? Or you think that he's not good enough to look out for your best interests. So we take shortcuts thinking he can't take care of me. I have to take care of myself. But David says, no, God chose me the right path because he's good. He does it for his own sake because he loves us enough to provide us a means. I'm very grateful. My dad was never a dad who told me I couldn't do anything. He was very what you'd call permissive. He didn't permit me to do anything I wanted, but he would had this statement he'd say to me all the time. He'd say, I guess you could do that if you wanted to, but I wouldn't for these reasons. And I realized there was some wisdom in what he was telling me. He's like, you're probably going to do it anyway, but I wouldn't for this reason. And many times he kept me on the path of righteousness because I understood that he loved me and he had lived the life I hadn't lived yet. And there was some wisdom. And that's why the church is important for us. Because you're surrounded in this room by some adults who are giving their time to hang out with you, not because we're paying them, because we're not, They're doing it because they said, I've been down the path and I want you to walk it well. And I want to show you some areas that I don't want you to fall into and get hurt because I did. And if you ask them right now, they're all going, yeah, that's why I'm here. So 
So time's running quick. Let's keep moving. Verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will have no fear for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Let's talk about the rod and the staff. That's quite interesting. I didn't realize this until Mr. Nowak showed me. Showed me a picture of a, a rod is not this stick like you and I would picture. I've often thought the rod and the staff were the same thing. There was a straight end and then there was the curled end. And I found out it, it's not true. What they would do is they would dig down into the base of a tree and they would cut off a root. And they would cut that root off about three feet from the tree in the ground and they would go find that big round knob that connected into the main trunk of the tree and they would cut it there. So they would pull this out and what you want to picture is something about the size of a volleyball on the end of a stick, but it was solid wood. That was the rod. So if a bear or a mountain lion or a coyote came after the sheep, they could use that as a club. And if you got hit with that, you knew you got hit. And you probably would retreat. Now, the shepherd's hook or crook was not this perfectly defined. They would, they would find a limb and they would uh, shape it and heat it and get it wet. And then they would, they would fire kiln it so it would have a hook. And I didn't know this, but Mr. Nowak said when a lamb is born... If the farmer touches the lamb and puts the oils from his hands on the lamb, the mother will reject the sheep. You have a two-week window, but baby lambs are more vulnerable because they can hardly walk. They have weak legs. They're just figuring life out. And so the shepherd, instead of picking them up and moving them like he would an older lamb, would actually have to hook it by the neck and guide it back to its mom, or the mom would reject it and it would starve to death. Hmm. How does that fit you and, I, you and God or me and God? Think about that. David said, there's moments in life where I don't know where I'm going and I'm walking close to death. But God's got the gentle ability to simply hook me and guide me back safely. Other times, he's got all the weaponry I need to protect me. David looked back over his life and said, Saul tried to kill me at least twice. I've been under attack by four foreign nations. I have been on the brink of death so many times and every time, God was the one who stepped in and moved me over to safety and protected me from my enemy. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now this is interesting because a shepherd doesn't let his sheep go into any field because there's certain grasses and weeds and flowers that if a sheep... <laughs> I'm sorry, ladies, but I'm still a junior high boy at heart. He told me that if, if sheep eat the wrong kind of grass, they explode, which I want to see. I'm sorry, I mean, I've got nothing against sheep, but if, if I'm watching a sheep and it goes, I'm like, that is awesome. But there are noxious weeds that get inside with the acids inside a sheep that if they eat too many of them, their bodies will just keep bloating. Now, you know why we don't. I was telling someone this because I have all these little facts that nobody cares about. Do you know why we no longer throw rice at weddings? Do you remember? You may have seen that on television. Do you know, because of yeah. Octavia knows. You know why? Because the birds eat it up, and then they eat more than they know to eat, and then the fluids in their stomach make the rice do what? So what used to be cool at a wedding is the day after a wedding, you'd come to church, and there'd be 19 dead birds in the parking lot. Now, see, you don't get to see that. I get to see that in ministry, and that's one of the benefits God gave me. <laughs> so he says, you prepare a table. The table is not a t dinner table. The table would be the flat field in which the sheep ate. A shepherd, a good shepherd, would go through the field and pull up the noxious weeds. A good shepherd would keep the sheep from eating the things they're not supposed to eat. God tells us in his word that there's certain things he doesn't want us to do, and we're like, but I want to eat that. And God's like, eat it, and you'll explode. A good shepherd keeps you from doing everything you want to do because the good shepherd knows what's good for you. 
And as we become older in our faith, we begin to understand it. There's a passage in the scripture that says, Why so downcast, O my soul? Put your trust in God. Mr. Noack told me that a downcast sheep, I didn't know this, but sheep have these little stubby legs. When they're fat, like ready for butchering, or they're covered in wool, they can flip over, which was funny. Like they'll be walking in a hollow and they'll fall over on their sides and when they get on their back, all they do is sit like this. They can't flip themselves over. They're not strong enough. That's a downcast sheep. And Mr. Noack said you can't just come see a sheep that's flipped over or stuck against a rock and turn them over because the blood ran out of their legs. Has your leg ever fallen asleep sitting a certain way on the couch and you had to get up and use the bathroom or go get some more Doritos and you couldn't walk? Have you had that joy of that moment where you can feel your leg but it doesn't feel you and all of a sudden you're dragging it across the room right now? Is that what you got going? Okay, so you've seen it. Uh, a, a shepherd has to pick a lamb up that's downcast and hold it and, and massage the legs until the blood goes back in the legs before you can set it down. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds like what Jesus has done for me my entire life. I screwed up. I got upside down. I was vulnerable. I was hurting. And God set me up and patiently set me back on my feet. Oh, there's so much I can do with this. He told me what anointing was. He talked a little bit about that last week. It was introduced. Anointing wasn't just blessing. Anointing was healing. Lambs get into thickets. They eat things they shouldn't eat. I'm told that a lamb will put his head down and start chewing grass and end up three miles away and turn around and go, where am I? And have no, no clue. So they get scratches and they get tick bites and they get fleas and bugs. And so a shepherd will, will take oil, which is a mixture of sulfur and some, uh, some extractions from plants, and he will rub that on their face. He'll rub it on their, their hoof. He'll rub it on their legs to protect them from scratches. David says, my shepherd has anointed my head. He's healed me. He's protected me from life's bumps and bruises. And then verse 6. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and then I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David was a king when he wrote this. He had a palace. He had servants. He had everything he wanted. And he said, at the end of the day, when I look at all I have, I'd much rather be in God's house than my own. So let me, let me back up with you on this one. If you're most human when you're most like Jesus, and God is most God when we receive what he has to offer us, I wonder if you'd think with me for a second. If stinky little seventh grade boys can learn the 23rd Psalm, Oh, and they complain every time we get together. Six verses, it's so long. But I smile at him. Every month we start and I say, Braden, Braden stands up and rips it. I say, Logan Gooch, stand up. The Gooch nails it. He's got it down. Logan Ragsdale, give it to me. He gives it to me. Evan Garrison, read it, read it. Am I putting pressure on you? Yeah, seventh grade boys are owning this. And we keep saying, why do we want you to know this? Because you're never more human than when you're like Jesus. And God is never more God than we accept what he has to offer. Can you hear in the 23rd Psalm what God wants to do for you? He is all in on you. And everything that life could throw at you, God has a solution for. And that solution is found in the 23rd Psalm. And David wrote it from what? What he hoped would happen? David said, I know this is true. My, I have a good shepherd. And if you haven't picked it up, in John chapter 10, Jesus said these words. I am the great shepherd. Jesus was. And David saw in advance the work Jesus would do, and David said these words when he closed, I want to spend life with him in his house, under his authority, 
That's the Jesus we sing about. That's the Jesus we gather here tonight. That's the Jesus available to you if you make yourself available to him. The good shepherd who has you, even when you fall over, even when you're not totally clean, even when you're not that smart, even when you make mistakes all the time, God's like, I got you. That's the God we serve, so let's thank him. Father, thank you for caring, even in those times we don't care. Thank you for loving, even in those times we disappoint ourselves and you. Thank you for preparing a table, for doing the work to provide for us everything we need so that we can become what you've dreamed we could be. And thank you for doing all of this before we even knew you cared. And I'm grateful for caring for me. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to a student ministry sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about the student ministry or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com.